Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take your Bibles, if you would, and stand with me and turn to uh, the book of Exodus, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 11. We're going to start in chapter 11. Your handout says uh, chapter 12, but we're going to be taking a look at Exodus chapter 11 as well. And um, we're talking to you this morning about God's way, about God's way. And so uh, as you have your Bibles there, I want to take a look at the first two verses of Exodus chapter 11, then we're going to go to Exodus chapter 12, and then we'll go to Exodus chapter 13. So Exodus chapter 11, we see here the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon the Egyptians. Afterwards, he will let you go. He'll let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out Hence, altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Now turn over to Exodus chapter 12, if you would, please. Verses 1 through 4, Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your, shall make your count for the lamb. Now take a look, if you will, in Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 28. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take your lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lentil and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lentil and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover." who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. 
And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Now Exodus chapter 13, if you would please, verses 11 through 16. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh of the beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's, and every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck, and all the firstborn of, the man, of man among the children shalt thou redeem. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this? That thou shalt say unto him, By strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all that openeth the matrix, being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. And it shall be for a token upon thine hand and for frontlets between thine eyes. For by strength of hand the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to open up your word. And Lord, I ask that you would work your grace in and through me. Lord, I thank you for the service to this point. I pray that you would be with those online that may be watching and listening. I pray for those here in our presence that you would be with them. Lord, I pray for those who will be hearing and watching this service that if they do not know you, that they would come to know you. Lord, I pray that us as believers, that we would take the good news that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has come. We ask you for this. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. I'm sure all of you have probably heard that saying, it's my way or the highway, right? You've heard somebody say that, it's my way or the highway, or, or maybe somebody said, it's my walk or the sidewalk. You're either going to do it my way or you're not going to do it at all. You know, us as human beings, when somebody says that to us, when statements are made like that, what do we do? We balk at them, don't we? We think to ourselves, and maybe even sometimes we may even say out loud, who are you to say that to me? You've got no exclusive right to be able to say how something should or should not be done. You have no exclusive right to be able to say what I should or should not believe. Who are you to speak that way? The only absolute truth that the world likes is that there is no absolute truth. Have you noticed that? The only absolute truth that our world likes today is that there is no absolute truth, which in and of itself 
is illogical. You can't say that there is no absolute truth, right? Because why? That's an absolute truth. <laughs> People don't like that. We feel that no one should have absolute control over another human being. We want to live autonomously. We want to live independently. We want to live life our way. And you know, coming from one human to another, we could somewhat justify the attitude of another human being to be able to say, you have no right to say that to me. We could possibly justify that from one human being to another. But what if you were created by someone else? What if you are not your own? What if someone greater than you made the claim, it's my way or the highway? It's my walk or the sidewalk. It's either my way or it's no way. And I think that all of us would be able to understand because this individual is over me, because he, he uh, uh, created me, because uh, that person is more powerful than me, therefore I'll, I'll listen. You know, that's exactly who God is. God has created us. And therefore, God has rights to make definitive statements upon our life. Not only that, he also ha has the right to make definitive statements upon our life because we've sinned against the holy and righteous God. He has a right to be able to make claims upon our life. He has a right to say how a person can be cleansed from sin. For example, if, if you... Um, uh, sinned against someone else and they said would you please and you said would you please forgive me and they said yes I will the way that I will forgive you is if you buy me a chocolate pie okay and then you go and you buy them a chocolate pie why because you want to be forgiven you, you've sinned against them that's a very simple and simplistic illustration but all people have sinned against God and God has a right to say how we can be cleansed from that sin, how we can be put back in a right relationship with, that, uh, with him. And so what God is saying to us in his word, it's my way. It's my way. There is no other way. This is the only way that you can get back right with me. God has his way. And the Bible plainly teaches us that God's ways are not our ways. Who would have ever thought that the death of one individual would bring life to many? That does not make sense. Humanly speaking, that does not make sense to kill one person for the salvation of many, but God's ways are not our ways. See, this morning, I want you to remember this one thing, that God has the way of salvation. God doesn't have a way of salvation. There's a major difference in changing that one word. God has the way for salvation. My first question would be then, what is God's way of salvation? And in this passage, these three chapters here, what we find is we find three overarching truths that teach us about God's way of salvation. 
Write this down if you would, please. Number one, God's way of salvation is for those who understand their need. Do you realize no matter how many prayers that you might say to God about, uh, 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 you know, that, that sinner's prayer, if you don't realize that you have a need, you're not saved. Say what? You've got to realize that you have a need. It's just not saying a mantra. It's just not saying a prayer. It's just not uh, repeat these words after me, one, two, three, and then you'll be saved. I know you see that on TV. I know that there are the televangelists that say, well, you just say this and then you're good with God. But the simple fact of the matter is if somebody doesn't understand their real need, they're just going through the motions, right? I'm glad you showed up today, Brother Blumenthal. God's way of salvation is for those who understand their need. What we find here in this passage is this is the, the Passover and the, the final plague of, the, uh, uh, of the, the Egyptians here that God is placing upon them. I want you to turn back to Exodus chapter 4 because long before this came about, God had promised Pharaoh that if, God would, if Pharaoh would not let his people go, God would kill Pharaoh's firstborn son. So what we see here is God gave a warning. God gave a warning. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 23. And I say unto thee, let my son go, that's speaking of Israel, that he may serve me. And if thou refusest to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Take a look at what, uh, in Exodus chapter 12, because that's exactly what God, God did exactly what he said he would do. Take a look at Exodus chapter 12 and verse 24. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you, when you become to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep the service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service that ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And it came to pass. Here you go. God made the promise. Pharaoh didn't listen. God gave the warning. Pharaoh didn't heed it. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. See, the Egyptians, they failed to understand their need for salvation. They, they refused the warning from God. And Pharaoh now tells, after the, the, the warning from God uh, was fulfilled, Pharaoh now tells Moses and Aaron to get all the children out of, of the land. And, and the, the Hebrews, they leave in haste. You can see that in verses 34 through 39. And, and the Egyptians basically pay them to leave. They're asking him, can I have some gold? Can I have some silver? Can I have some clothes? And, and they're just giving them all this stuff. Just get out of our land. We don't, want to, we don't want any more people to die. 
There was a total of 600,000 men plus women and children. And it also says a, a multitude that went with them. So there, there could have been others that were with them that left the land of Egypt. But I want you to see something here. Because it wasn't just the Egyptians that had a need. They refused to understand their need. See, Israel in this passage of Scripture is a picture of the universal human condition. As slaves, the, the Israelites, they were slaves, and as slaves, they needed to be set free from slavery. I want you to turn over to John chapter 8 and verse 34. And my friends, this morning, every person is born into slavery, and that is the slavery to sin. In John chapter 8 and verse 34, take a look there if you would please. Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant, or it could be translated slave of sin. Romans 6, 17, the Bible goes on and says, but God be thanked that ye were the servants slave of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Colossians 1.13, the Bible says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath transformed, uh, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. See, the point is that many, in fact, don't understand or refuse to see their need. The Egyptians refused to see their need. And what did God do? God warned them, and then he fulfilled his promise. He fulfilled the warning. You ever, you ever met, met, met parents, meet parents, I should say, that are like this with their kids? Now, Buford, I want you to stop that right now. And Buford keeps doing what he was doing. Uh, Buford, I, I, I want you to stop that. I told you to stop that. Now, if you don't stop that, there's going to be some consequences. And Buford keeps doing what he was doing. Just ignoring. Now, 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 Buford, mommy's getting upset here. And I'm telling you, you need to stop that. When I count to three, if you don't stop that, you're going to get in trouble. Buford keeps doing it. And so mommy starts going, one, two, two point two five, two and a half. Folks, God's not like that. I would tell you that's poor parenting anyway. But God's not like that. When God says he's going to do something, he will do it. Now, he's long-suffering and loving, but he's not soft on sin. Amen. See, we need to understand our need for salvation. And the Egyptians refused to understand that. The Israelites understood it. Secondly, we see here, God's way of salvation is for those who understand the penalty, the penalty, I should say, for rejection. God's way of salvation is, those, is for those who understand the penalty for rejection. 
You know, everybody in here, I mean, I would hope that you would know this, but that, that every decision we make, there are consequences, good and bad. You know, the, the issue is not necessarily, the hard part's really not necessarily the decision. What are we thinking about? We're always thinking about the consequences, right? It's living with those consequences after we've made the decision. And there are consequences to our decisions. And God has graciously made all human beings with a free will. We can choose. God warned Pharaoh. God warned the people of of Egypt that there was going to be the death of their firstborn. And now Pharaoh had to make a choice of whether he was going to believe God or not believe God. You know what? The choice was very simple. The choice was right here. Two words, life, death. That was the choice. Life, death. You know, that's the same choice for every single person upon the face of the earth. Life, death. Life, death. But the choice had to be made. I've heard some people say, well, I'm not going to make a choice. You just did. The choice had to be made. In Exodus 11, the plague is announced. And then in Exodus 12, 29 through 32, take a look, if you will, please. I want to read it again. Or this portion of Scripture. It's announced in 11. It takes place in 12, 29 and following. And it came to pass at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, that both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord, as ye have said, and take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. See, the choice was very clear, but each person had to make their own decision. See, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 20, God gives the, the, uh, to, to Moses the instructions about how to become exempt from the penalty of the plague. And then Moses gives those instructions to the people, and, and take a look, if you will, back in chapter 12, verse 21, because God said, this is the way that you can be exempt from the penalty of this plague. And then Moses called for all the elders, verse 21, of Israel, chapter 12, and said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lentil on the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. None of you shall go out. Side note here, if anybody, even after they had applied the blood, had gone out, they would have died. Why? Because they were not believing in faith. They did not follow God's way. You cannot go out uh, of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass 
through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children say unto you, what mean ye by this service that ye shall say? It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worshiped and the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron so they did see the issue here is salvation and it comes down to the choice of life or death they were to take a a spotless lamb and to to kill that lamb and what they would do is many times they would pen, well, what they would do is they would pen the lamb up to make sure that there was no problem with the lamb, that it was in their estimation as perfect as they could understand it to be, a healthy lamb. And then they would take it and they would take the head and, and they would get it to the neck and they would stretch the neck out and take a sharp razor-like um, uh, instrument and they would slice the neck of the lamb. They would have a basin there, and then the blood from the lamb would drip into the basin, and they would take this bush-like uh, 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 weed or whatever it was, this bush type of uh, flower, flowery or twiggy type thing, and they would stick it in there. That hiss up, and they would stick it in there, and they would put it on the lentils and on the doorpost. Why? It was a representation. But not only that, they had to follow through with all that was said. They were to eat the unleavened bread and to roast the lamb over a fire. They were to be dressed and ready to leave. God's saying, God's saying, this is the way. You apply the blood. You eat the, the, the unleavened bread. You roast the lamb. Don't boil it. Don't eat it raw. God's saying, this is the way. You say, Pastor, you believe even if they had applied the blood but they had done those other things differently, would they have died? Yes, I do. Why? Because it wasn't God's way. They were trying to do it by their own works. I'm going to do it my way. It's Jesus plus baptism. It's Jesus plus good works. It's Jesus plus communion. It's Jesus plus, listen to me, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's not Jesus plus. And so they had to do it exactly God's way. Why? Because if they chose to do it this way, it was a sign of faith. God would liberate them before the night was over. Now think about it. These people had never done this before. They had been indoctrinated with the, the Egyptian culture for 430 years. God had to call them out in order to call, himself, call them unto himself to show them how to live as a holy people. They had never done this before. They knew nothing of this. So they had to act in faith. They understood the penalty. See, the truth is, what we find is this is the show that the Hebrews deserve the judgment of death as much as the Egyptians. What? Yeah. 
The truth is the Jews were sinners deserving death just like the Egyptians. The reason that the Jews had to apply the blood is because they were guilty before God as well. They needed a substitute. Well, how do you know that? Because if you remember, they, they, they had to, after they came out of land, they had to be recircumcised. Why? They had not followed what was given to them. They had been indoctrinated by the world. They were just as guilty as the Egyptians. They were sinners just like the Egyptians. And the point is today, friends, that if you are going to accept God's salvation, you must understand it doesn't matter that you're an American. That's not going to get you saved. Everybody is underneath the penalty of the judgment of God. Everybody. They needed a substitute if they were going to avoid the judgment of death. Have you ever thought about something though on that fateful night? The death count, listen to this, the death count was just the same in Egypt as it was in Goshen. Goshen's where the, where the Israelites lived, where the Hebrews, where the Jews lived. The death count was exactly the same. You say, wait a second, I thought the death angel passed over the Israelites. It did, but the death count was still the same. The only difference between the death count was, was it a human or was it a lamb? The lamb was a substitute for a child. The blood was the sign that the sacrifice had been made and a substitute had been offered. And to reject the substitute would mean certain death. That was the penalty. The first two truths about God's way of salvation have to do with understanding the need and that accepting and understanding the penalty of rejection. But thirdly this morning, God's way of salvation is for those who receive the acceptable sacrifice. God's way of salvation is for those who receive the acceptable sacrifice. In Exodus 12, as I had already mentioned, God had given to Moses what an acceptable sacrifice would be. There was to be a substitute that would take the place of the firstborn child. But the sacrifice of the lamb means that there was unfinished business. Take a look, if you would, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4. See, the sacrifice of the lamb that night means that there was going to be unfinished business. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, we see this. Take a look. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Did you see that? It is not possible. It is not possible. What was happening? What is God trying to tell us? Well, let me back up and say, who would think that a lamb is a fair exchange for a human life anyway? Would you think that a lamb is a fair exchange for a human life? The lamb in this passage, my friend, was just to point people to the permanent and perfect substitute. The Passover is just a sign of a greater act of redemption. John the Baptist states about Jesus in John 1.29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, the Bible says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, 
as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as, a, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, if one receives the acceptable sacrifice today, there's redemption just like Israel was redeemed from slavery and death. The person who follows God's way of salvation is free from the slavery of sin and ultimate death and eternal torment. See, friends, you may not know this, but the Passover was the mark of a, new, of a beginning of a new year for the children of Israel. And it still is. The Passover is to mark the beginning of a new year for Israel. And salvation for us, friends, is to mark the beginning of a new life for all who believe. Amen. See, God's way, God's way, he has the way of salvation. I recently read the story of a prominent soap manufacturer and a Christian who were walking along a city street, and as the Christian was explaining the gospel to this businessman, the businessman objected and said, if what you say is true, why is there so much evil in the world? The Christian, to be honest with you, was struggling with how to answer the businessman when he saw a little boy sitting on the curb, his face and his hands and his clothes were filthy. The Christian looked at the businessman. He said, I thought you said you were a soap manufacturer. I thought you said you manufacture soap. He says, I do. If that's so, why is that boy so dirty? The businessman replied, the soap must be applied in order for him to be clean. Exactly, said the Christian, the work of Christ on the cross must be applied if we're going to be clean. See, if you've passed from death to life, you've obediently and by faith applied God's way of salvation. You're set free, and now you're fit for a purpose. You're fit for a purpose to be able to share God's way with others. And I cannot help but think that there is no greater time than this time to be able to share the gospel with those who are without Christ. Amen. Folks, there are plenty of invites that we can get out this week to be able to have people come to our Christmas Eve service to be able to hear the gospel one more time, the gospel of hope that Jesus Christ came. He came not to condemn man, but to seek and to save that which was lost. You've passed. You made the choice. You've been called out to be called in, and now you're fit for the purpose. You followed God's way. But this morning, you may not have followed God's way. Maybe you've never been obedient to God's way of salvation. Maybe you're listening and watching at your home, sitting on your couch this morning. You say, this is the first time that I've ever heard this. You didn't happen on to this channel by accident. It was God's design for you to be able to hear the gospel. And God has a way, my friend, 
to be able to cleanse you from your sins and put you back in a right relationship with him. That's why Jesus came. But I can't make that decision for you. Just like every Egyptian had to make the decision whether he was going to heed the warning of God about his firstborn dying, so you too today, my friend, you must heed the warning of God that if you reject his way, there's eternal damnation. There's a place called hell. Let me be quick to say it was not made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels, the word of God tells us. But because God is a holy God, he cannot be around sin. Everyone who has chosen to reject his warning, his way, only has one destiny. And that, my friend, is a place called hell. If you understand your need this morning, you're on the way to salvation. If you understand the penalty for rejection, you're on the way to salvation. If you receive the acceptable sacrifice for your sins, uh you can claim salvation as your own. Let me ask you this morning, have you done it God's way? I didn't ask you if you did it the church's way. I didn't ask you if you did it the pastor's way or the priest or the bishop or the pope. I asked you if you did it God's way. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done, is written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible, and then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.